and you begin to preach truth to yourself. In the midst of the chaos everywhere, you just begin to preach truth to yourself. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my heart. Whom shall I be afraid of? My heart and my flesh may fail, but you, God, are the strength of my heart and my portion, my literal, in the Hebrew, my inheritance forever. Welcome to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. It is a joy to have you listening today, and we pray that you will be encouraged, challenged, and motivated to live for God like never before. And now, with today's message... Here's Pastor John Couch. Father, as we come before you today, we, we pause to just simply acknowledge, God, that we need you on every level. It is not anything that we can do in life individually, as families, as a church, as a country, there is nothing that we can do on our own. But with You, God, all things are possible. And so, Father, as we come before You today, as we bring our burdens into this room, Lord, I pray that we would cast them and just heave them on You right now. Whatever the troubles may be, whatever the disappointments and the challenges of life that often seem to pile up one after another, Father, I pray right now that we will collectively in this room just heave them on You right at this very moment. Knowing from Your truth, the Scripture, the Word, that You care for us. And so, Father, we simply ask this prayer. Word of God, would You speak right now? Holy Spirit, we pray that You would, at this very point in time, not only give us clean hands and a pure heart, but God, I pray You would give us a soft, tender heart. A soft, tender heart that is not resistant to Your Word, that is not resistant to the truth that will set us free. But Father, I pray a heart right now that says, Lord, I long to be in Your presence. I long for You to speak to me through the living, breathing, ultra-satisfying Word of God. Holy Spirit, move in this place today. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to You, my Lord, my Rock, and my Redeemer. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Take your Bible and turn to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 3, looking at verse 12 today in our study of God's Word. 
And as you're turning there, the the thought behind the message title is this, and I want us to really think deeply today about this thought, because as we study this one verse, you're going to see so clearly a great truth from the truth. And here's the thought, rhetorically asking, where are the eyes of the Lord? Where are the ears of the Lord? And where is the face of the Lord? So out of the gate, I want to give you kind of an outline of three things that we're going to study from God's Word today. Where are His eyes? Where are His ears? And where is His face? Because the reality is his eyes and his ears and his face are somewhere. I was driving over here this morning and doing some stoplight reading. And I was going through Acts chapter 4. And I actually for the first Sunday was praying for multiple stoplights to be read. And it was very interesting that something dawned on me, that there in Acts chapter 4, there's this account of Peter, who happened to write an epistle called 1 Peter. And there he is in Acts chapter 4. This is so amazing. This is going to fire you up. You're just going to go cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs for Jesus. Here is Peter in Acts chapter 4, and he and John... They're out on a mission, and they're on a mission to help someone in need, and they're doing this in the name of the king, Jesus himself. Well, the Sadducees and all the other seas of the day weren't overly impressed. Why? Because it offended their flesh. That's what light always does to people walking in darkness. And what happened through this account, and I encourage you to read it later, all of Acts chapter 4, is they come to Peter and they say, hey, we got a question for you. We got a question for you. By what name and by what power do you do this? Note to self, not a good question to ask someone when you're walking in the darkness to someone who's walking in the light. I can just see Peter going, Did they really throw us that softball? And so here goes Peter. (laughs) He doesn't hold back. Here's what he says. He goes, By the name... (laughs) By the name that's above every name. By the name of Jesus whom you crucified... This man has been made well. It reminded me that darkness will do everything in its power to keep people out of the light. But those walking in the light will do everything in their power to make sure people walk in the light. Amen? What an incredible thought. Here is Peter, don't miss this, who denied Jesus how many times? Once? Twice? How about we make it three for a great number? 
And here is the power of Jesus Christ, church, today. Brothers and sisters, hear this clearly. The power of Jesus Christ is this. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter your discouragement today and your despair, you cannot outrun the grace of God. When you walk in the light, you can become like a Peter. And take your mess by the power of the Holy Spirit and begin to walk in a glorious message. Amen? Here's what Peter writes in one verse of 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 12. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and His ears are open to their prayer. However, the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now, I want us to pause for a moment, church. I want everyone to look up. And I want us to all look at this screen or that screen. And I want us out loud together to read the Word of God over this room. Here it is. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and His ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. An interesting verse because there's two parts on the front end that sound amazingly encouraging, don't they? I think we all vote yes on the first two, right? Go Jesus. But then we get to the raw reality of the gospel. See, this is the raw reality of the gospel. It's not a a health wealth, a fluff, a Humpty Dumpty, a Mr. Rogers, a what's in the bottom of the box of lucky charms? You got to understand this church. Here's the simplicity of the gospel. Here it is in a nutshell. The blood of Jesus takes dead men and women and makes them alive. That's what the gospel is. Like in a nutshell, that's the gospel. It takes dead people and it makes them alive. Do you see now why the enemy is so determined to snuff out the lights. He knows that dead people sitting in church pews can finally come to life. See, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. What's the big deal about the eyes of the Lord? Think through that thought. There's a phrase that you've probably heard for years now that the eyes are the window to the soul. What is it about the eyes? What is it that's so important that the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous? Well, the eyes see, don't they? You see. You perceive. You take in. 
you also watch over, you look over. There's something about the eyes that when the eyes are looking over, they're watching over, they're perceiving, they're taking in. This should be a great comfort to you today. And by the way, I pray that everyone in the room today has truly given their life to Christ. If you haven't done that, I pray today will be your day to be brought from death to life. But making an assumption here, let's assume everyone in the room has truly surrendered everything to King Jesus. This should be a great comfort to us. In this world, you will have trouble. In this world, you will have tribulation. In this world, you will have pressure. It's par for the course. It's part of being a Christ follower. But be of good cheer. Why? Because I, Jesus, didn't change your circumstances. Because I, Jesus, have overcome the world's. And for those who truly give their life to Him, you are now a son or a daughter. You are now an heir to the throne. Guys, we got to remember this. And I'll speak for myself. My citizenship is not in Chester, Virginia. My citizenship is in heaven with King Jesus. And when you begin to understand that deep biblical truth, it will begin to change everything because here's the challenge. There's way too many people that have dual citizenship. They're just kind of camping out here on planet earth, enjoying the ride and somehow hanging on to King Jesus for the fire insurance. And that's not how this works. You're either in or you're out. See, Peter understood this. Don't you find it interesting that the Holy Spirit, by the power of our great God and Savior Himself, divinely selected not some hoity-toity theologian that could spout off the Greek and Hebrew, so to speak, and show all the accolades and the awards on the wall, but he, he took a fisherman who stuck his foot in his mouth over and over, <laughs> and he used him to turn the world upside down. I think there's a message there. See, the eyes of the Lord are not on those who play around with God. The eyes of the Lord are on those who give their lives to God. And for you that have done that today in the midst of your chaos and your disappointments and your backs against the rope and the pain you're going through and the struggles, I get it, got multiple t-shirts hanging in my closet. Here's the reality. I know this. I know this without any shadow of a doubt that these sufferings of the present time, these sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared. They're not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed when we stand face to face to King Jesus. I know how we need an eternal perspective of faithfulness and obedience and holiness and allow God to handle the consequences of that obedience. 
That's why key number one in your notes, I want you to write this down. Here it is. Key number one, what a comfort to know that when I surrender my life to the Lord, His eyes keep watch over me. Write that down, key number one. What a comfort to know right now today, not tomorrow, but right now in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your mess. What a comfort to know that when I surrender my life to the Lord, His eyes keep watch over me. I was thinking of that old song we used to sing, His Eye is on the Sparrow. You guys know that one? His Eye is on the Sparrow. And I know, and I know. Did you catch that one word? And I know He watches over me. I don't feel He watches over me. I'm not crossing my fingers hoping this is going to work out. Uh, I'm not consulting Oprah or Dr. Phil and see what they think or dear Abby. Here's the reality. I open God's Word every day. I mind the Scriptures. I sink my teeth into it in my heart and my soul. And you come out of this going, no matter what the troubles may be on the horizon, I know from the truth God watches over me. And so many people don't know because they're just simply not in the book. There's a, an idea that someone came up with, and it's called Facebook. You guys ever heard of that before? Facebook? I know for some of you younger guys or gals, you're probably like, what in the world's Facebook? Well, I got an, another approach. So why don't we put our face in the book? Just start putting our face in the book. And this will just feed life to your soul. And in the midst of your challenges, you can preach key number one to yourself saying, what a comfort, and name it, what a comfort to me, put your name in there, that I know, that I know, that when Monday morning hits and and the trials and the stresses of life and and work and, and all that's going on in your world and my world and it's total chaos, you feel like a human pinata in a spiritual bounce house, there's days you don't know up from down what to do, there's discouragement and despair, you can come out of all that equation simply shouting with a shout of joy saying this, I know my Redeemer lives. Not that I hope He does. Not that I feel he does. Oh, I know. I know. I just know it. What a comfort that is to our souls. I want you to write down a a verse or two here. Isaiah 66, 2b we'll call it. B as in boy. Isaiah 66, 2b. But this is the one to whom I will look. So here's this looking, right right here it is. You go, how do we understand this preacher? We just go back to the book. On this one I will look right here it says, Isaiah 66 2b, he who is humble, we sang about that, contrite in spirit, and who trembles at my word. What happened to thus saith the Lord? Can someone help me on this? I'm confused. What happened to thus saith the Lord in our culture today? Where's it at? Where'd it go? Where are the Isaiahs? Where are the Jeremiahs? Where are the Ezekiels? 
They will stand on the precipice of time. They'll stand in the gap. And while everyone else is standing close to the edge of sin and peeking over the edge and going, boy, I want to see if that's going to dull my pain. And maybe that will fill my void. And, ooh, boy, I'm getting close. I know the fire's getting hot, but what do I do? Where are the men that will stand in the gap and say, oh, give back to Jesus. He'll, he'll answer all your troubles. This is the one I'll look on. He's humble, contrite in spirit, the Lord says, and he trembles. He just trembles. He begins to tremble. Just tremble at the word. It's so glorious. It's so uplifting. There's power in the word of God. Do you believe that today, church? Do you believe there's power in the word of God? I believe there's power in the Word of God. I believe every page, every word, every comma, every period, every exclamation point, I believe is sovereignly by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit given to us by God. And I believe it's alive and you get in the book and you put your face in the book and it will transform your heart forever. You're listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. All of Pastor Couch's messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. In addition, you can share your prayer requests with us via email. Our email address for prayer requests is prayer at thisdayministries.org. That's prayer at thisdayministries.org. And now, back to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch. Philippians chapter 3 says it like this, verses 8 through 10, Paul says, indeed, indeed, I count everything as loss. Why? Because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for his sake, I had suffered the loss of all things. And I count them as rubbish. I count them as garbage. Why? Here's the why. In order. In order that I may gain. Don't miss this. In order that I may gain. See, there's a gaining in your life today. That there's a gaining in your life today that, that the Holy Spirit, by the power of the Word of God, is not saying, don't look for the sailboat. Don't look to the retirement plan. Don't always be just looking ahead. There's a gaining right here. Paul has lost everything in his life. People have abandoned him. He's been shipwrecked and beaten, and there's snakes flying around. And he says, look, that I may gain. How on earth, church, how on earth do you get to the point in your life where you've lost everything because of Jesus and somehow you come out of that equation going, I got more to gain? It's when you understand the blood of Jesus and you begin to understand the rest of this verse and these verses when he says this that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes 
through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. And what happens is this, that when you lose everything and you count it as rubbish or literally garbage, and you said, look, everything else in this life, it doesn't matter. All I want is Jesus. I I may be 10. I may be 40. You may be 80. You're somewhere on the spectrum. If you got blood in your veins and you got air in the tank, God has you here for a reason. It's not to hold down the grass. It's to go make a difference for His glory. And what happens is you gain. You're gaining in the midst of the suffering, in the midst of the pushback in the midst of the slander and the lies and the accusations that you may be going through today in your family, you actually are gaining something as you surrender more to Jesus. Here's the beauty of this. You get to the last verse there in Philippians 3 verse 10. Here's the big why. Here's the big red bow on the package that I may know him. Not that I might feel good about him. Not that, man, when he's going my way, go Jesus. And when he decides to pull out the rug, oops, I'm not overly excited. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and and may share His sufferings becoming like Him in His death. Church, here's the deal. Listen closely. We know from God's Word that for all true believers, let me give you the message translation. Are you ready for the message translation? For all true believers, you will take a beating for standing for the truth. And there's no way around this. There's no way. Welcome to the Christian life. Having said that premise, let's imitate Paul as he imitates the king. That I may know him intimately deeply, profoundly. How do we get to know Jesus more? Is it on the mountaintop of life? I know in my life that's not typically how it works. Typically in my life when I'm on the mountain, that's when I, boy, this is nice up here. What's cool? Nice view. Thanks, Jesus, for getting me here, but call you when I need you. When I get another jam, I'll let you know. But what happens when we're in the valley and we're on our back? It's amazing how at 2 o'clock in the morning you'll pray for hours, amen? Don't waste your mess. Don't waste it. Your mess can actually be one of the most exciting times in your life. Because the most excitement you can ever have in life is to know Jesus with intimacy. And as he has my attention and he has your attention, that's when he begins to do amazing things. That I may know him. 
Take comfort today, church. Take comfort. If you're a true believer in Christ today, it's real. It's not phony. It's not baloney. It's real. You've given your life to Jesus. Take comfort from God's Word today that His eyes watch over you. He is literally scouring right now in all His omnipresence, all His omniscience, all that He does. He can simultaneously look over millions of Christians, look after them, guard them, protect them. His eye, if it's on the sparrow, His eyes will watch over you. But that's for the righteous. What's the second sense that he used? First was seeing, now it's hearing. Look at part B of 1 Peter 3.12. Here's the second thing he does for the righteous. Look in your Bible. And his ears are open to their prayer. Hmm. Looking, seeing, hearing. Sounds like a great setup. I vote yes, amen. See, he's looking, his eyes are watching over the righteous that are walking in holiness and obedience and humility. And as Paul said there, we read in Philippians 3 that you get to the point where you know that it's not your righteousness. See, that's the whole point. I mean, that's the whole point of the gospel from death to life. When, when Jesus goes, look, I'm going to make dead people spiritually alive and well. I'm going to remove the disease from their life and all that stuff they're chasing after. All the stuff that we think will satisfy and dull the pain and fill the void that you know, that I know, it's a cul-de-sac going nowhere. It's bait, it's seduction, it's trickery from the enemy is what it is. I know it, you know it, but we still play patty cake with it, don't we? Paul says, look, I don't have any righteousness, but Jesus has all of it. Dressed in his righteousness alone, as the song says, faultless to stand before the throne, faultless to stand before the throne. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. Church, what ground are you truthfully standing on today? When things seem to be kind of, uh-oh, what's going on? Do you go, oh, I know this. My Redeemer lives. I know this. We're standing on the anchor of God's Word. I know this. The greatest days are yet to come. We're not bending, buckling, breaking. We're not panicking. You know what we're doing? We're going back to the Old Testament. Second Chronicles 20 says this, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you, God. You get a bunch of people believing that truth that they know. Watch out. Whatever God's doing behind the scenes and working out that eternal weight of glory, when people walk in that faithfulness and that obedience, you better buckle up because here comes the revival. Amen? His ears are open to the prayer. What's prayer? Is prayer as we often say? Is it just rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub, yay God? Is that prayer? Is prayer eating a pack of chocolate chip cookies and asking the Lord to, I always chuckle at this, Lord bless this that it may nourish our bodies. Now that would be a miracle. Can I get an amen on that one, right? Pack of chocolate chip cookies nourishing the body, that's going to be a miracle. What's prayer? Well, prayer is simply this. Prayer is we commune with God, we talk with God, but here's what it really means. 
Prayer is not us trying to strong-arm God to conform to our wish list and our will. Prayer is through, well, (laughs) go back to the word righteous. Humble, dependent, holy, seeking righteousness in Christ. Prayer is this, God, I want to be conformed to your will, God. That's what prayer is. Prayer is, God, I want to be conformed to your will. I want to do whatever you want to do as you lead in your family, as you have children, as you have grandchildren. You say, Lord, I want you to do a work in my life so that I'm no longer the same. And I want to be that beacon of hope, that, that lighthouse, if you will, in my home that shines so brightly for your glory that what's going to happen is my children and my grandchildren will see my good works and not praise me, not praise you. They'll glorify the Father who's in heaven. Key number two, when I pursue the righteousness of Christ, when I pursue the righteousness of Christ, God hears my prayers. Key number two, when I pursue the righteousness of Christ, God hears my prayers. Let me make two notes here. This doesn't mean that God's going to answer your prayer the way you want it answered. Did you notice that the Bible says he hears your prayers? It didn't say he answers your prayers like you want them to be answered. For the righteous, again, assuming that we're all saved in this room, not perfect, but we're we're pursuing Jesus, we're running hard after him. You may be praying right now for something that's heavy on your heart, and God may say yes, and we all shout amen. He may say no, got a better plan. He may say wait. I got better timing, but he's hearing. I mean, we've got to get out of this Americanized version of prayer that, that God is like, um, that God's like an Amazon drone. I mean, you just kind of get on your phone, you type in your order, boop, send, Bzzz. I think I hear something flying over my house. Oh, here comes God. Dropping in the package. You know where that comes from, by the way, don't you? It comes from the me-istic, self-centered, me-focused ideology that's pervasive in the American church. It's all about me. I don't get what I want. I throw a fit. I take my ball and bat. I go somewhere else. Prayer. Jesus modeled this so well in the garden he says, Father, if there's any other way, take this cup from me. But nevertheless, not what I will, I want what you will. And what a model to follow. Ever been in a season of life where you feel like God has tripped over the cord and there's like a dial tone? John chapter 9 says it like this, 31. We know that God does not listen to sinners. That's habitual. The context here is habitual, not repenting. Doesn't mean if you stub your toe and you you say something that doesn't glorify God that 
He's not listening to you. It's talking about habitual sin, a hardened heart, a deceitful heart. Right there it is. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but, but here it is, here it is. But if anyone is a worshiper of God and does His will, obeys, God listens to him. Right there it is in God's Word. Right there it is. John chapter 9, verse 31. A man made this comment I thought was powerful. Listen to this encouragement, this quote. And the man said this, Disappointment is God's way of dimming the glamour of the world and deepening our ability to enjoy Him. The Lord allows us to go through disappointments not to frustrate us, but to lead us into a greater intimacy with Him. And therefore giving us what we really desire. Isn't that good? Dimming the glamour of the world. Boy, that's a powerful phrase. Prayer. John 15 says it like this. 15 verse 20. And I want to remind us that as you are living for Christ, as you pray to Christ in His name, through His blood, to the Father, remember this verse. Jesus speaking, remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. You've got to remember this, church. This is just deep biblical truth. And, and again, you've you got to make sure you're in it. If you're not in it, the book, if your face is not in the book, it's going to be hard for the book to be in you. Thy word I have hidden in my heart. When the psalmist writes that, think about this thought of hiding. I mean, he's really saying this. He's not hiding so that he conceals it. Here's the imagery in the Hebrew. He is digging a deep hole in his heart, if you will, that he's burying it deep into the recesses because he knows this. He knows this, that what's in you, that what's in you, think about this. He knows that what's in you when the pressure mounts and you begin to get squeezed what's in you will come out of you and the psalmist is saying i'm going to bury it deep into my heart into my soul into my mind thy word i have hidden i've buried not to conceal but in the moments especially in the moments of frustration in the moments of despair in the moments and maybe you're here today and you're going i don't know what god is up to why would a good god allow all this pain and suffering into my life how could he do this why would he do this what is he up to you may be there right now today i know this that when you bury god's word into your heart that when you were in those moments of challenge and frustration and you just want to throw in the towel, here's what typically happens. What's buried deep comes to the surface. And you begin to preach truth to yourself in the midst of the chaos everywhere. You just begin to preach truth to yourself. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my heart. Whom shall I be afraid of? My heart and my flesh may fail, but you, God, are the strength of my heart and my portion, my literal, in the Hebrew, my inheritance forever. 
And that's what happens when we begin to pray and marinate on God's Word. So here's the last point. We've looked at what God does to the righteous as He sees them, protects them. He hears their prayers. And here's the warning. Warning, warning, warning. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. First the eyes, then the ears, and now the face. Now question rhetorically to you, what is so big about the face of the Lord? What's so big about this? I mean, he could have just said by the Holy Spirit that the Lord is against the evil. Let me give you an illustration. So when I was growing up, um, my dad had this way of just looking at you like there were no words, uh, no text messages, no gramming or talking going on, if you know what I mean. This was just a look that I knew within a zepto second that it was time to get my act together. And that's all that it took was a look. I can picture his face even right now with that look. There's something about the look of the Lord when He looks on the righteous, when He has compassion, when He shows His love and His tender mercy and His grace. But for those who are playing around with God, for those who are openly rebelling against God, the reality is this, His face is literally the look. The look that is so refreshing and so encouraging to the righteous in the first part of this verse now flips around on the back end of this verse. And what happens is it's the look of the great God of the Bible, the piercing look that evil cannot coexist in His presence. And it says this, his face is against. God opposes the proud as we've studied ad nauseum. Literally, he's going to war against the proud. That's what that means. He's, he's going to war. So if you're home, your business, or your ball team, your church, if you get honest and no longer deny things, but if you look at those entities there in your world, and if there is pride in any of those entities, here's the reality. God's going to war against those entities. His face is literally against them. And we can profess Jesus all day long. We can raise hands. We can stand in our heads. We can run around the building and shout Jericho seven times. I mean, we can do whatever we want to do. And the reality is this. His face is against us. That thought really began to hit me hard because I wrote this last key, key number three down, and this is what I believe the Lord gave me to give to you. Key number three, the full force. Don't miss that. The full force of the Lord goes to war against those who walk in darkness. The full force of the Lord goes to war against those who walk in darkness. 
And maybe your life today is unraveling, and maybe the seams are just kind of bursting and popping all over the place. I get it. But whatever you do, can I say something? Don't convince yourself to put God on the shelf. I see way too many people that when the pressure mounts, they somehow arrive at this conclusion, let's just put God on the shelf. Don't be one of those people that just because God is not going your way, you somehow deduct that now you're no longer going His way. For the true believer in God, it doesn't matter if He's going our way or not, we always go His way. Why? Because we've gotten out of the feeling business and we're now in the knowing business. And yet so many people are deceived and blinded by the truth and they hate the truth. They rebel against it. They push against it. Well, I know you're probably thinking, give me some verses especially from the New Testament that talk about the wrath because so many times what do we do? We go, well, okay, you're talking about the wrath of God preacher, so you must be talking about the Old Testament, right? Talk about the the loving, docile, sheep-like Jesus in the New Testament. Okay, we can try that approach, but how about I give you some verses from the New Testament? So I want you to write these down and I want you to study these later. I'm going to read these off quickly. Write down Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2. 5 through 9. This is the New Testament. And here's what the Apostle Paul is saying to the church in Rome. He says this, but because of your hard and impenitent, refusing to repent, refusing to repent hearts, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will render to each one according to his work to those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But, but for those who are, here it is, seems like it's always number one on the list, but for those who are self-seeking, selfish, me-centered, me-focused, me-pleasing, and they do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, There will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil. The Jew first and also the Greek Let me kind of button this up here on this thought quickly. Evil, church, give me your eyes for a minute. Evil is not always the seedy part of town. Evil is a lousy, complaining attitude. Evil's gossip. Evil's slander. Evil's defaming someone else's character because you want to make sure you turn the focus on them and they don't find out who you really are. That's evil. It's wickedness. And for those who do those things and do not repent, but they habitually walk in these things, you can go to church all your life, you can get baptized every week, 
And the reality is, on that day, I never knew you. I have no clue who you are. You were wearing a sheep's costume the whole time. But time is the great exposure of who we all really are. New Testament Galatians, chapter 6, 7 through 8. That's an easy one to remember. I just now picked up on that standing up here. I'm like, 5, 6, 7, 8. No one should forget that address, amen? Galatians 6, 7 through 8, here it is. Do not be, church, louder. God is not. For whatever one sows, that will he also. Wow. Man, if that doesn't rattle your cage, I don't know what will. That's serious stuff, isn't it? New Testament, for the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows church to the Spirit will also from the Spirit reap. Help me, church. This stuff isn't rocket science. It really isn't. Give your life to Jesus. Let Him bring you from death to life and live for Him all the days of your life. There she is. Why do we make this so complicated? I'll tell you why. Because the mean monster gets in there. That old mean monster. Woo, man, he's deadly, isn't he? Well, he gets in there and begins to twist and turn and you're not getting this and you're not getting that and time to pack the bags. My heart breaks as light collides with darkness. Our last verse, verses, plural, not singular. Revelation chapter 6, 12 through 17. Here it is. Last thought. You guys like the book of Revelation? It's an amazing book, isn't it? Isn't it an amazing book? I mean, it's... It, you know, it's eschatology in times, but man, it's, it's a glorious book to read. Man, wait till you get to the end. <laughs> I've read the end. Praise Jesus. Amen. Well, we got to get through some meat to get to the end and just listen closely. In case again, you're thinking Old Testament God, docile Jesus, patty cake, patty cake, baker's man. Well, here we go. So here's Revelation. Put your seatbelt on. If you're curious how God views evil, and wickedness and wolves in sheep's clothing, right here it is. Revelation chapter 6, 12 through 17. When he, and this just almost brings me to tears to read, when he opened the sixth seal, John's writing here, and I looked and behold, there was a great earthquake. And the sun became black as sackcloth, and the full moon became like blood. And the stars of the sky fell to the earth as the fig tree sheds its winter fruit when shaken by a gale. The sky vanished like a scroll. The sky, the sky vanishes like a scroll that is being rolled up. And every mountain and island was removed from its place. Then the kings of the earth 
and the great ones, and the generals, and the rich, and the powerful, and, and everyone, slave and free, they hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they're calling to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us! And hide us from the face of Him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb for the great day of their wrath has come and who can stand? That right there that right there is why we are so passionate about the Word of God. Gimmicks and games and pleasing people will never set them free. But I know this, the Word of God will do the work. Amen? Where do you truthfully stand? I mean, really, like, where do you truthfully stand? Not have been going to church, golf clap, blue ribbon. I'm talking who owns you. Because I can promise you after reading Revelation and Romans and Galatians, you don't want to get to the end having not had this settled on the front end. You today want to go, I'm all in. Like I'm all in. But maybe my wife or my husband's not overly excited about it, but you say, you know what? I can choose. I got a choice to make. I get to make a choice today saying, I'm in. I'm in for the gospel. I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to press on in the midst of all the chaos. As we're, as we're standing for truth, we're just going to keep standing for truth. We're just standing for truth. We're going to keep standing for truth. Church, guess what we're going to keep doing? Any ideas? We're going to stand for truth. We're just going to keep standing for truth. And as the fiery darts and the bullets are flying, there's peace in the midst of the storm. No one's panicking. We're just going, oh, God. God's up to something. He's doing something. He's working behind the scenes. Just hang in there. Hang in there. Why? Because we're standing for the truth. And we know this, our Redeemer lives. We know this, that since our God is for us, who can be against us? We know this. We don't feel it. We don't hope it's going to happen. We know that since He's for us, who can be against us? And when you have that seared into your mind, when you have that seared into your mind, and you take the fear, and you replace it with the fear of God... See, that's what we got to do. we got to replace the, the fear of man with the fear of God... And you will have a confidence and a boldness like Acts chapter 4 as you read it at the stoplights going home today. And you won't bend, buckle, and break. No, what you'll do is you'll stiffen your spine. Why? Because the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And His ears are open to their prayers. Amen? Father, we come before You. And Lord, we just lift up this time. Maybe there's someone here that's never given their life to Jesus. Lord, I just pray.
I just pray. If that's the day, Holy Spirit, will you speak right now? Lord, Holy Spirit, will you move in this place? Just move right now. Begin to move. Soften our hearts. Break down our pride. Humble us, Lord. Empty us of us. Do the work right now. And we pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Amen. You've been listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. Don't forget that all of these messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. That's thisdayministries.org. In addition, if you have been blessed by the teaching of God's Word during This Day in the Word, we would love to hear from you. Our email address is info at thisdayministries.org. Thanks again for listening as we strive to honor Christ and impact our world as we spend this day in the Word.